I've eaten every single chocolate in my advent calendar, and you know what time that is? It's Christmas time! Woo! Show more excitement, it's Christmas Day, Elaine! Oh, I see. Yes, of course, it's Christmas Day! (laughs) Of course it is. Do you know what? Do you know what I found out? Which is related to Christmas, maybe, but not not necessarily board games. Uh Uh-huh. You can get a jumping spider as a pet. Did you know that? Like a garden spider. Like a garden, like the spiders we have in the garden, yeah. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah, it's a jumping spider. What does it do? Jump. That's how it catches its prey. I've seen them in the garden. Can, they, they can you pounce. teach it tricks? No, but they look adorable. And they're, they're, it's not cruel to keep them. It's not like keeping, you know, a bird in a cage or whatever. They, they, they're quite happy, apparently. I mean, I don't know how they test that, but... How is this Christmas? This sounds like... This sounds like a nightmare before Christmas... Or after, no. or during. Don't don't muck about. You love a spider. No, I I, I, I have learned to appreciate a spider. It doesn't mean that I enjoy their presence. I see. Well, Christmas spiders are a, a thing, actually. Like it's it. The reason it's to do with Christmas is because Christmas spiders are part of um, solstice. So, anyway. Thank you for that. <laughs> now I'll have nightmares. We, we don't know what happens next because you haven't got a script. You're on oh, holiday, no. Elaine, because oh, no. it's Christmas Day. It's a holiday. So instead, I decided to come up with a script and a podcast program oh, no. for today's special episode. Oh, no. <laughs> Am I still allowed to say welcome to Talk Cardboard? Yeah, you are. Go okay. on. Welcome to this festive edition of Talk Cardboard, a podcast about board games and everything adjacent with me, Elaine, and you. Me, Efka. On this festive edition, we will be talking about some of the games that we didn't get a chance to cover this year because we ran out of time. Apologies to Matt Damon. Uh, We'll also be talking about uh, Dune Imperium Uprising, which is my game of the year. And we recently had a game of the year video in which we named it my game of the year. But we haven't heard your opinion about Dune Imperium Uprising. So uh, we'll have that on this very episode. And finally, we will not only be revisiting our most anticipated games from 2023 and how that went down, but also announcing my most anticipated games for 2024. Can I interrupt you right there? I let you finish, actually, but... I what I, mentioning Matt Damon is oh, like I'm, one I'm of those sorry. things I see on the internet, and you go, "Oh, you're so old, Elaine." I'm, I go, "What does this mean?" And you're like, "No." No, it's uh, it was the thing on Jimmy Kimmel Live where oh. he would say apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time. Oh, I see. Yeah, and it was a whole gag thing. I don't know why I said that. I I feel really because Jimmy Kimmel's not cool. It's like he's not. Is it something to do with that Team America? No, oh, no, 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 nothing to do with that. Because that's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, sorry, I just, I, I brought in an old reference for, for a naff thing for no reason I whatsoever. See. Do you want to get on with it? Yes, let's get on with it. Elaine, <laughs> how many board games get released every year? Uh, what, are you asking me for a real figure? Yes, because um, I don't know what it is, oh, right, so I'm well, hoping that you no, know. I don't know. But it's a lot, right? It's got to be in the high thousands, surely. I, high thousands, you predict? I, 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 I reckon, I mean, not like, when I say high thousands, I don't mean like 900,000. I mean like between zero and 10,000. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I, I think it would be interesting, actually, to find out. We should ask the people in charge of BGG mm. how many entries they add mm. every year. But I, I reckon it's probably more like three to 4,000. I think it's 
it's somewhere between there. It's a big number. Yeah. I was going to say like six or seven. That's that's kind of what was in my head. Anyway, so obviously we can play all of them, but like we just forget about one or two, right? So I I wanted to quickly broach the the ones that we have in our possession that we plan to cover this year, but like I said before, ran out of time. So um, and and these are the ones I'm actually looking forward to playing. So uh, here goes. First up, Age of Industry. This Mm. is the new version of Terra Mystica, which is labeled as being somewhere in between uh, Terra Mystica and Gaia Project, uh, but with the Terra Mystica setting, but more industrious. Kind of weird. Like, it it doesn't immediately spark joy, but I remember my love for Terra Mystica, right? And and Gaia Project, both of them. Both of them I still... I know there's some people who are like, only Terra Mystica or only Gaia Gaia Project. Project. And I respect both of those opinions, but I'm very much a both kind of person. And Age of Industry just sounds cool because, like, it's you assemble your asymmetric abilities rather than, like, just get, like, a flat one Mm -hmm. by default. Do you remember how you felt about Terra Mystica before you played it, before you ever played it? Um, I just thought it would look cool. Okay. So about the same level of excitement as for Age of Industry? I guess. Yeah, that's a long time ago. I mean, I found out about Terra Mystica through, uh, I think we were shut up and sit down's review of terra mystica uh-huh. and i was like oh this looks really cool uh but it was just it was just out of print on the first printing but german copies were still available so i got the german version i remember uh, when we did the review of it yeah um, we, we have reviewed it and we had some sort of gag about <laughs> shovels disappearing uh-huh, shovel uh-huh. oh god i remember digging the uh the wall outside our front house, outside the front of our house. That was a bizarre video. We made some weird videos back in the day. Uh, but I, I am excited about Age of Industry. I'm not so keen on the title, but mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, so it, it tells you what it's going to be, though, I think. Kind of. But I just don't. You know, that's the thing about Terra Mystica and Gaia Project. I think both have been adequately criticized for not really having a setting and the setting that it had you know, having really not very evocative artwork and the setting not feeling particularly inspired. So I don't know why it had to go to Age of Industry as it was milk toast to begin with. Um, but but I am excited about the game. Uh, let's talk about another setting I'm not particularly uh, like jazzed about, but also maybe slightly cooler, uh, Nucleum. You know, yeah, yeah I, I guess nuclear energy, you know, being being uh, a way to generate green energy. Uh, there's a lot of discussion. So, I'm, again, I'm not going to kind of label myself as an expert, but I think there's a, there's a lot of hubbub about nuclear energy being potentially quite safe. It's, it's if- strange, isn't it? Because when I was growing up, Slough Town Hall had the big banner outside of it saying a non-nuclear town like slough a non-nuclear town Mm. and so i grew up going oh no it's bad it's really bad like nuclear energy is bad so it's weird i know there's a lot of advocates for nuclear energy right now and and a lot of hubbub around how safe and how clean it is you know 
I, I'm, I'm not an expert in any any way, but uh, at least like the setting is slightly more interesting, you know, mm-hmm. like the dawn of the nuclear age, effectively. Uh, this is from David Turzi, and I want to say Simone Luciani, uh, and it's very much labeled as a melange of barrage or barrage, whatever pronunciation you want to employ, and brass. And obviously that piqued my interest. But it's we just never got around to it. You've read the rules to yes, it, haven't I did. you? Yeah. And, and I watched uh, John Cox's video, John Gets Games's video on it, on how to play it. Th- does it look like uh, an yeah, amalgam? It does. Yes, it does. Um, but it, it it looks like it does different things from both of them. So I, I am quite looking forward to to trying it out. And I think I think it's the kind of game that I struggle to get a real feel for how it's going to be before I play it. Next up, Divinity Original Sin, the board game. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of a weird one. Uh, We technically, this wasn't sent as a review copy because we paid for this game, uh, but directly to the publisher. So this was sent to us by uh, representatives of Larian, who are the recipients of uh, the Game Awards, the Game of the Year Award, which is a video game award they wanted for Baldur's Gate 3. But before they made Baldur's Gate 3, they made some other uh computer role-playing games uh namely divinity original sin and divinity original sin 2 we've both been playing divinity original sin 2 haven't we yeah and we've both been enjoying it very much and we're enjoying Baldur's gate 3 right now uh but they also decided to make a board game and the story of that is very quite bizarre because uh it's a much delayed kickstarter project Mm -hmm. but not only is it a delayed kickstarter project what happened was basically they hired a studio to develop a board game so some someone who had you know knowledge of designing board games um and eventually the board game that they designed for larian did not meet what larian expected a board game to be and they scrapped the entire thing uh much to the chagrin of many backers who were like we backed for this game we're not getting this game but they redesigned the board game themselves Mm, i remember that because it it took a long time yes Mm. uh and it was much like i said much delayed Mm. Uh, but it is here now and i haven't heard much hubbub about it but i'm very interested to see what this thing is you know how it translates yeah how it translates and and more importantly what it because i guess we'll never see the the initial board game that was meant to be delivered right no yeah but but we have whatever version it ended up being but it's completely different to how it was supposed to be so i'm very excited we have it upstairs we're gonna get to it very soon um so stick around for that i guess um Apiary is a new game from Stonemaier Games. And let me tell you, if there's two things that excite me, it's bees and also space. I love a bee. I love a space. Uh, And they've combined the bees with the space. The setting is an absolute winner. Mm -hmm. It's something that both of us both like. Yes. So I I don't know. I'm I'm just jazzed to try this. Uh, mechanically i don't know it's a it's a worker bumping game so you know it's like a worker placement mm-hmm. game where you bump out a worker sure. and the reason we haven't played it yet is because we just haven't had a chance to get people over for it uh because i suspect it's just not going to be one of those games that works well at two 
uh, even though it does play it too. But, you know, you, you kind of want that friction uh, of people bumping your workers and that doing things and, you know. I have not read the rules. Does it have some kind of automa for a two-player? Does it have mitigation for making the game feel more tense and bumping each other out? I do not remember. Okay. It's a good question, mm. but I don't remember. Hey, Elaine, remember how much you enjoyed playing My City by Reiner Knizia? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, mm, okay. Yeah, continue with your point. Well, did you know that this year Reiner Knizia published another board game? I did, yeah. <laughs> it's in our office. Uh, it's called My Island. It's a sequel to My City. But instead of... And you know how much you love spatial puzzles, mm, right? Mm. Instead of squares, which are, you know, easier, this is hexagons, yeah. which are harder. Yeah. Are you looking forward to that? I am, because it... You it put is... on a brave face when you said that. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I like to challenge myself, right, in a safe environment. Okay. Uh, so I am looking forward to playing it, because I, I'd like to see how it works. Um, it's just, it's not that I hate that kind of game. As I've said more than once, I'm just not very spatially aware generally so i find it very difficult to know how something is going to fit in um and so i'm anticipating that i will be bad at it uh but it looks nice uh and i want to explore what it does with fitting in hexagons together i am actually very jazzed about this I I, I, I yeah. loved my city and my island. This is like, yeah, it's a step up. Okay, love it. Immediately won it. And I, I felt like the brutality of the squares was already quite punishing because for such a light game, it was surprisingly unforgiving. Mm -hmm. And and that was an element of it I definitely enjoyed. Playing it as a campaign, I think, is what I find quite difficult because I don't mind losing a game, right? Mm-hmm multiple times that's all right because i know i'm not good at this kind of this puzzle but when you're losing a game and then you move on and you've still lost the first game like the game remembers <laughs> that you have lost the game and and then it remembers again that you've lost the next and it's just a bit embarrassing i feel like the game is laughing at me i don't so. think that's true you you even hate that you get like a, a little consolation prize that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah uh -huh. you don't like that uh -huh. well this should put a kick in your spin or a spin in your kick or whatever people say ticket to ride legacy is another game we haven't played yes. that we have upstairs we're looking forward to we interviewed rob davio about we legacy did. games uh, in did. a past episode mm -hmm. i think that was a very cool interview uh, a lot of insights from rob on on kind of you know what makes legacy games go and why what makes them uh good or interesting and and what doesn't so i, I enjoyed talking to rob i i hear a lot of good things about ticket to ride legacy yeah I when we find enough people to play it with yeah i don't think we've actually given our official position on ticket to ride and and whether we enjoy it or not i have not officially labeled myself with with a stance on ticket to ride because i'm kind of I don't feel great about saying this because I know how many fans of Ticket to Ride there are out there, but I, I genuinely don't like it. I, I genuinely don't enjoy it as a game to the point where I've been brewing up a video uh, in the same style of uh, it's time to say goodbye to Catan. It's time to say goodbye to Ticket to Ride. 
and and maybe that video will come out now because with with this new legacy release we'll we'll, we'll see i don't know we'll I see i like ticket to ride i do enjoy ticket to ride but i think i enjoy other types of train games more i think i enjoy cube rails a lot more i enjoy uh games that do similar things to ticket mm. to ride more than ticket to ride and I've got I've got some great nominations for those spots, you know. Like, hey, if you like Ticket to Ride, these are just better. The, these are just functionally better games that are going to be enjoyed by more people. Except they don't have that Ticket to Ride, you know, brand on them. Having said that, we were at some point more fans of Ticket to Ride because we bought those special little trains for it. Yeah, so, yeah, that was so, a long time mm, ago. That mm. was a long time ago. So I think when we first came across it, we liked it more. That's true. I think, I think like most people, you journey through board games, mm. you go, oh, hey, I quite this is enjoyable. I quite like this. And you go, oh, there's this things that do the same thing, just, just in a more enjoyable way. I, I think this video would be good because actually the games I have on my mind uh, I think a lot of criticisms we had for the Catan video was that like uh, none of these games have trading, and I'm like, mm -hmm. well, I can't put Sidereal Confluence <laughs> in here. I'm sorry, but I I think with this one, the replacements, uh, I would suggest genuinely get that Ticket to Ride vibe, and and just boot it out. But I don't know. Maybe the Legacy variant will change my mind. I feel like you would put Sidereal in any list of games that you should play because it is like one of your top games it is uh i just i don't you want know a game with cubes sidereal compliments you want a game with people sidereal compliments you want a game with aliens sidereal compliments you want a game with talking sidereal compliments like anything where you could squish it in you would you will so do you see that shovel behind you can you just hand it to me <laughs> I'm just gonna start digging. Oh no, I didn't mean it like that. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was I, just, I, I was just I, I am. I am gonna. I'm gonna start digging. I, I'm gonna say that I. I won't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend Sidereal to most people. More on why in 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 another instance of no pun included. Uh, I, I'm I'm actually gonna be talking about Sidereal Confluence soon and something else. So, um, but let's let's leave that for the future. Mm -hmm. Um, final game on this list that we didn't get to try this is the the most recent edition uh that we kind of wanted to get to this year but didn't because i kind of was late on getting a copy this is raising robots this mm. is getting a lot of hype uh it is wingspan plus but instead of birds you have robots that that would be the very succinct summary i think there's more going on there uh, but it looks very cute, very charming, very kind of tableau buildery with with like the tableau you build even has that wingspan vibe of like free card rows and you put things in there and then they'll activate. I am super jazzed to try it. Very excited. Uh, so we'll I'm sure we'll have words about raising robots soon. There's one more that I want to add to that, which is Three Ring Circus. Because, oh, yeah, because I picked it up at Essen with you know with all the joy and excitement oh, of go someone on, going to the circus hand me the shovel um <laughs> hand me that shovel and and we we just never played it i thought okay we'll play this at essen because you know that's what you do you play games that you've just got and then we didn't and then we got home and we didn't play so it's one that i really want to try next year okay elaine, elaine glossed over the 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 important bit there 
I, I've been very mean to Elaine and I want to apologize officially <laughs> because she's not mentioning what actually happened. When Elaine bought Free Ring Circus at Essen, uh, she, went, she went into the halls on a brave scouting trip, picked up a couple of titles that we wanted to get our hands on, uh, got back to our uh, game playing cave uh, in Germany and, and she brought the games out. And I said, oh, did you get this? And she's like, yeah. Oh, did you get that? No, I couldn't get that. Did you get this? Yeah. And then she pulled out also Free Ring Circus. And I went, you got that? Yeah, you did. Uh, and I feel really bad because that was not the tone or intention that I wanted to... Uh, I was just surprised. But I, 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 I shall I, not let you dilute my squash. Don't worry about it. Okay. Okay. Phew. We'll play, we'll play Free Ring Circus soon. I promise. If you're a viewer of our main YouTube channel, no pun included, on YouTube.com. like you forgot the name of it. <laughs> no pun included. <laughs> I have to keep reminding myself. No pun included. No pun included. No pun included. Uh, uh, if you say that three times in the mirror, one of us appears. <laughs> ah! <laughs> oh, no. It's those people. Um, we, we did a Game of the Year video. It was a good video. People <laughs> yeah. really enjoyed it. I, w I was surprised. I had a lot of trepidation about it, but mm. but people yeah, liked it. It was a slightly different format from how we normally do a game of the year. Yeah, because we normally just pick one. Yeah. As, as, uh, and we all we normally highlight something that's been maybe a little overlooked. overlooked. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we decided to go all out this year. And do five games that have been overlooked. Uh, I, don't, I don't think Dune Imperium well, no, Uprising right. has yeah. been okay. overlooked by anyone. But I don't know. I just felt a real kind of responsibility because I just said no to that game. Didn't say to any people in book because no one contacted us from Dire Wolf Digital, which is the publisher of Dune Imperium and Dune Imperium Uprising, which is the second version. Uh, but it wasn't until I tried Dune Imperium on the app because the app just came out. So this mm -hmm. is a very recent discovery for me. I've been aware of its existence for a while now. It just did not spark joy. No. Nothing about it intrigued me in any way until I sat down and played the digital version. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is good. And this this new version, I'm no, well, I already had the new version on pre-order because I was like, I should probably give this a try. But then the app came out and I'm like, okay. And I played that. And then the Dude Imperium Uprising came via post. And I got you to learn the rules. Mm -hmm. uh, and we sat down and played it. And, and you weren't jazzed about it either. You were looking at it askance. Askance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did not enjoy reading that rule book. It was not, that did not spark joy. Mm. Uh, that gave me a headache. <laughs> okay. So I thought, okay, well. If the rule book is like this, how is the game going to be? That that's kind. Of, so I guess I didn't go into it with the brightest of expectations, but um, I liked it a lot more than I thought it was. I was going to. Do you want to tell us a bit more about the game? So, Dune Imperium Uprising is a standalone sequel, a sequel own. Sequel own. Yeah, I like that. I like that word. To Dune Imperium, which is both of them. A deck building slash worker placement slash area control game. I, I, I would label it that. But it's a very unfair label because it doesn't do any of those things in the same way that you would expect 
any any of the other members of the genre to do them. And in fact, if you go in expecting any of those experiences, I think you will be disappointed. Now, I compared it to Terra Mystica, bizarrely, because they're actually, like, mechanically, they're nothing alike, right? Mm. But there is that vibe of the game where you are, like, the games the gains you get from going to any worker placement space, right? Like they are very, very small, but the cost is very high. So you're often spending a lot to get not a lot. And you're in, in the cost, I guess, is in, in this case is more like time. Like I have to put, a, I only have two workers initially. I could get a third one. You know, I have to put down one of my workers. I have to spend a card, whereas I could buy something with that card or it could add towards combat, right? There is there is a lot you're investing, and you don't have a lot to invest, and you're not getting out a lot of it. But with that restriction, you have to kind of cobble together a, a, a strategy that increases your efficiency. And I, I think that's why it reminds me of Terra Mystica so much. You know, like there is that that punishing feel to the game where you're like, you don't have a lot of options, and actually the options decrease as as the round goes on because the worker placement spots get taken uh you know you have less and less options and and then you have to somehow like slide in through that groove and 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 find what you can achieve i i I like that a lot but i don't think that gives a great picture of how it works mechanically so it's a deck building game. You have a deck uh, of cards. You start with 10. They're not very good. That's like any deck building game. You draw five and then, you know, at the end of the round, you'll put them in the discard pile, buy new cards. They go in the discard pile. You know, th- that part I think is familiar to a lot of people. But the cards by themselves don't usually do anything. They simply denote the type of spaces that you can go to. So the board is segmented into pretty much four areas so there's the spice extraction areas then there's the you get you get stuff kind of area <laughs> and then there's the you spend salari which is money to get various bonuses or like small incremental bonuses and then there's the influence tracks so there's four influence tracks and they're one of the one of the ways of getting victory points the the point of the game is to be the first it's not to be the first, it's to trigger the end game, which is, uh, and then be on top in terms of victory points. But there's only 10 victory points. And I like that immediately as well, because it's like, there's only 10. You know, I like I, I like that it's not like a lot of points. You're racing towards a certain goal, right? And, so you, the, and the points are very hard to get, like you said. Yeah. So you, you can inch yourself on these influence tracks. Once you reach space two of the four influence tracks, you'll get a permanent victory point. Once, once you reach space four, if you're the first one to do that, you'll get a victory point. And then you have to maintain being the highest on the track uh, or tied highest as long as no one surpasses you uh to to maintain that victory point so it's hard to get those and so the cards that you get can determine which spaces you can go to but on top of that uh you also have abilities on these cards and these abilities trigger when you play the card to go to a space but also there's a separate ability that will trigger at the end of the round uh which is when you can purchase new cards so the cards you spend are equally as important as the cards you don't spend. Mm. And sort of figuring out that balance in an environment where there is worker placement, 
because some spaces get taken and some cards become effectively like more important because they might still let you go to the space that you want to go, but then you want to keep it. It gets very complicated. And on top of all of that, there is that area control element where you have forces in the garrison, which are just cubes, but they add like combat strength because every round is punctuated by this battle, right? And how many cubes you send, it directly increases your strength. Uh, and uh, some of the cards you have left over might increase your strength as well. But only certain spaces let you commit forces to the battle. So there's a lot of intertied things that are happening. A lot of different mechanisms familiar to other games. But like the blend of them is unique in this. Because it is very much the sum is greater than its parts mm. kind of thing. Like Captain Planet. Yes, exactly. Like Captain Planet. Mm. I think you're right. Yeah. Each individual bit does not look that exciting in what it does. But when you put them all together, it becomes something else. And I I thought I wouldn't like the way that you spend the cards. So you either spend them to go to a, a location and, and maybe get some kind of bonus or you save them uh, to buy new cards uh, or to add to your battle strength or whatever. And I thought, oh, no. But actually, it works so well. It works so well because you are constantly looking at your cards and going, okay, well, this I want to keep for the end. Ah, but it's got the spaces on it that I want to go to. It's got the symbols for the spaces I really need to go to. So then you're thinking about, okay, what can I do instead? And you're constantly evaluating and re-evaluating what you can do with the cards that are in your hand. And you kind of, especially at the beginning, you kind of know what's going to be coming out because you have only 10 cards and you've drawn five of them. You know what's left. So you're thinking, okay, well, I'm going to get this next turn, right? So maybe I can do that next turn. I'll save that and I'll do that later and I'll do this with this turn. And when you buy the cards there is a, a big kind of weighing up of how do these cards work with what I've already got and what can I get in the future that I can make work with the cards that I'm buying now? I think that's one element I really enjoy because unlike many deck building games, the cards that you get are not going to cycle through many times, right? You're going to shuffle your deck a few times, but but not many. So you'll you'll get to play that card three times maybe four you know that that you bought at the beginning of the game and less and less as as it goes right, on yeah, right, right. Uh, there is another way of reliably getting victory points you can buy one right yes. like like in dominion right but the cost is exorbitantly high unless you like kind of spec your game for it well that was my first game of it that's kind of what i did um my plan was to win some battles uh and then but leave myself enough over to uh, to to manage to buy the the good cards and go to the places on the board because there is one place no in fact there are two places on the board that will give you buying power persuasion persuasion I yeah, yeah persuasion so one will give you a permanent two persuasion and one will give you a temporary one persuasion for that mm. round so so doing things like that um you know th there was a real toss-up of of how do I do this most efficiently? And I think I bought four. Uh, the spice must flow. Yeah. The spice must flow throughout the game. Um, and and won battles. And, and when you win a battle, if you... So the battle cards are in three different colours and then a wild card 
Um, and if you get two of the same colour, that's an instant victory point. So that was kind of my plan of, of how to win the game. And I, I did win that first game. Mm-hmm. But then I thought the the next time we played, I thought, well, I'll try something different. Didn't work at all. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's just finding what works and what doesn't in this game and how to do it most efficiently and whether you can keep on that path or whether the cards that you've drawn or the the spaces that you want to go to have already been blocked and you can't go there anymore. And that's that's kind of what I mean by uh, evaluating and reevaluating all the time. Mm. It. Like, okay, I can't go to this spot. What can I do this turn instead that is going to be most efficient for getting me a point? Because that is what you are thinking about. Like, I think in a lot of games that don't have that tension of gaining one point because it's a 200 point game or a 150 point game right it's it's not that tense but when one point is so very valuable it makes you try and eke it out in the most efficient way possible it's oddly a weird incentivizer because um with with games where you can get like 30 points a turn or whatever right you kind of sometimes get lost between the difference between like 27 and, (laughs) you know, 29 points. And you're like, I'm not sure those two points matter. Maybe I should do this to set myself up or whatever, right? There's that like looseness to it, Mm -hmm. right? That can sometimes be muddling. Whereas here, it's almost the opposite effect and it's very heightened and it goes in like the two polar extremes. It can either incentivize you to be like very efficient and very smart or it can either incentivize you to do very something very stupid, right? And there's a number of times I've done that. And I think that's why I enjoyed playing Dune Imperium uh, so much. Because I could see how I've done something stupid. And I was like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Here's why. In one of the games we were playing, I felt absolutely flattened. Because I realized after I'd done my turn, I could have scored three victory points in one turn because Mm -hmm. i could have got one for winning a battle uh, another one for spending um spies because that if you spent two spies that would also give you a victory point because of the battle card and then another reward was to move up one of the tracks which would have given me another victory point and i thought why on earth did i take my turn like i did because i mean if one victory point is you know a celebration three is like a party like a massive party right so and it it really makes you yeah you're right there is absolutely no room for error Uh in what you do yeah not even the tiniest bit you need to be the most on the ball in this game i think i've in any game i've ever played and bizarrely it's still got those like uh, swings that that you wouldn't expect in a ga- game that's as precise as this because True, it is a deck yes. builder right and sometimes you're like should i draw another card oh another card would really help i could draw another card drawing another card is good because it adds to you know the persuasion you can spend mm-hmm. at the end of the ra- drawing cards great i should draw a card and you draw it with your last worker <laughs> right and you go oh that card is really good but for playing not for having at the end yes. of the round oh no 
right? Like, why have I done that, right? And so- it, I could have done with that on the next round. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. it, it teaches you these things in weird ways where it's like, well, don't don't draw cards with your last worker, Well, right? that's the thing. That's, that's what the balance is too, because you don't get to keep any of the cards. It's not mm. like you've got your hand of cards, you play some and then you keep the rest for the next round. Yeah. That's it. They're gone. Yeah. <laughs> right? They're gone. Yeah. Uh, good luck. It, it, it's it's a very peculiar game because a lot of it is out of your control like you have you have workers that that you know block the spaces that you wanted to go to so you know you can't guarantee that you'll be able to do the things that you want to do with the things that you have because someone might just block the space but even before you get there you can't guarantee that you'll be able to do the things that you want to do because you might not draw the right cards however like there was somewhere that i really really needed to go and then you went there and I thought, well, that's the end of that, isn't it? Mm. But then the game allows you to mitigate for that because the space that allows you to place a spy was not taken. Mm. So I placed a spy and then the next uh, worker that I placed, I could place my, my meeple in the same place as yours because the spy, if you take it off, allows you to place your meeple in the same space as another player. So it, like the, the game allows the blocking to be resolved in a, in a different way. Do you know what I mean? I do. And you've, you've broached on uh, a number of times, you've already broached on the differences between Dune Uprising and Dune Uprising ah. Imperium. Spies is one of the differences um, and, and a big change to the system. You've also mentioned that uh, when you win conflicts, you know, if you match two colors, yes. you, you get a victory point. Uh, that's a big change as well, because before it was like some conflicts just give you a victory point, mm. even early in the mm. game, whereas now it's only late game. Yes. Right. I, and I did say in our video, like, hey, if you want if you want to play Dune Imperium now, if you're only just getting into it, Dune Imperium Uprising is probably the better of two purchases. Right. Now, I don't know if you know this, but there's an active like really active tournament scene for Dune Imperium, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's so active that uh, uh, recently there was a lot of hubbub when Jimmy Donaldson, as in Mr. Beast, won a Dune uh, right, okay. Imperium you tournament. You sound excited by that. Huh? You sound excited. No, I'm not. I, I, don't, I, don't, I genuinely don't care about the tournament scene or apologies to Mr. Beast. Like, no excitement there. But it, I guess, do you mean because it does show that it's coming into the wider well yes yes that people play mm. like a lot Quite of people are, yeah a lot of people play this game competitively mm. right and some some competitive players have observed you know that there's some things in Dune Imperium Uprising that they're not enjoying and there's there's been a few comments not many but like a couple of comments saying actually I think Dune Imperium is better because there's like it's okay. you know this this new uprising version it's it's not as competitive Be and a lot of that is to do with with the whole combat thing and the, the fact that you have worms now, right? Mm -hmm. So these worms, which can double the rewards you win from a conflict, right. meaning that there's a potential yes. to maybe even get like four victory points in one turn. Now, I have to say that I, I think this is going to affect so few people who own like yes. Dune Imperium, right? Because most people do not play at, at the level and and even those who do not play at the level don't necessarily agree that like these big swings are an issue because engineering them is incredibly circumstantial, hard, and fun. Uh, fun. and also fun, <laughs> right? Yeah, like they, I I think they add a layer of fun. Uh, so it 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 is. 
uh, also, I think there is this syndrome of people being used to something working a same way, uh, and and they're very familiar with it. And something shakes it up; they just might not take to it because it's different, right? Um, and 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 that just happens. And I think evaluating this game on on how much fun it is to play it, even competitively, you know. At such an, I would hate that. Yeah, no, I know, I know, uh, but but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's like a good thing or a bad thing to play it competitively. I'm just saying, you know, it's it's a bit, it's a different thing. Yeah, it's it's a bit premature to make s- such conclusions, and I appreciate that there's some people who probably already played Doom Imperium Uprising like twenty times, and played the original two hundred times, mm. and if it's not your boat, hey, more power to you. But I think. For many, many, many people, Dune Imperium Uprising is definitely the game out of the two rather than Dune Imperium. Um, because imagine imagine playing Dune Imperium Uprising, but without the ability to like circumvent that someone's blocked the space that you well, really see, needed I'm to go to. From it from the other direction now, like you were saying, people are seeing things, small changes that they go, oh no, I, I don't quite like that in Uprising. Mm. I'm coming from it from the other way because if I wasn't able to do that, I'd be like, oh, no, I don't like that because yeah. I, I'm used to doing that. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. Yeah. Um, um, it, it, it's a very different thing. Playing something uh, not just competitive. I mean, most games are competitive, but actually playing it in a tournament is a very different atmosphere, a very different mindset that you have to be in. There's also a lot of like, I did say in the video, a lot of it has been recontextualized. And I think it has, you know, I think some of them are thematic changes to, I can't believe this is, we're speaking so in depth about like a franchise game based on the movie, but it is that, you know, so uh, there's, you know, because of changing states where the story is in the film, in the first part, in the second part, because respectively artistically and thematically these are based on the Denis Villeneuve the first part of the film is Dune Imperium and the second part is Dune Imperium Uprising so so the factions have changed states so some of some of what you can do in the on the board has been recontextualized based on that but it also kind of makes more sense from a gameplay perspective because it asks more interesting questions like before one of the Fremen influence spaces was like you just get one water right now the frem and everyone kind of there's there's an added incentive to going to the fremen space because it lets you it helps you recruit worms and stuff like that you know you kind of want to go to that space so and water is a very rare resource in the game it's never bad to take water like when you're in doubt i don't think it's a bad thing to just get like a water Mm -hmm. you know if you haven't got anything better to do and the water space is available. You can usually translate that into something like way more efficient, right? So n- there were two no-brainers in, in kind of like one space. I don't know, maybe competitive players are going to be like, oh, actually, but, you know, I'm not. So I'm talking from my experience. Uh, and, and now they recontextualized that. They, they moved that water space to a different faction, you know? And, and, and suddenly, oh, okay, so this faction is now more interesting because... Now you can get water here, the Merchant's Guild or whatever it's called, the Spacers, the Spacers Guild, yeah. Uh, whereas the Fremen just draws you a card, so it's not as good. But but you still want that access to worms, 
because you know they can double the rewards you get they add add more towards co- yeah, there's there's a lot more to consider and there's changes like that all across the board before like spice hey you could just trade it in for a lot of money and it was like a you know like a very rote route right like i get some spice i trade it to money the only question you were asking was like how much do i change into how much whereas now it's like oh spice can still get you some money but actually you don't need a lot and there's there's more effective ways to get money so that puzzle's been recontextualized and it's more interesting so I think overall it's a big improvement because it asks different questions and it makes you consider different things. And, and I just enjoyed that. Not that any of, of the versions of Dune Imperium are like somehow, like I don't think one is inferior. I just think one's slightly better. And there's there's no reason if you haven't started with them not to start with Uprising. We began this very iteration of this podcast, Talk Cardboard, mm. by posting an episode in January. So we began in January 2023, right? Mm-hmm. So this is kind of a like a, a year of Talk Cardboard, if you think about wow. it. I know, right? That's cool. <laughs> uh, we've been doing this for a year. So, um, I, and in the very first episode in that January, we covered a couple of games. We covered Artisans of Splendid Vale, Ostia. Uh, I think we covered Scout. But we also had a segment called Most Anticipated Games of 2023. We did. I would like to revisit this segment to cap off the year uh, and talk about how those games, you know, like transpired Uh or haven't, as Uh it were. Uh, And also, I would like to revisit this list by making a new list, my Most Anticipated Games of 2024. I'm looking forward to it. Go on. Go on. What, What are we starting off with? Elaine, why aren't you doing an unanticipated games of 2024 list? Why is it just me? Because, Efka, uh, because I get lost uh, in everything that comes out in a year. And I look at them and I go, well, that looks good. That looks good. That looks good. That looks good. And, and I just cannot figure out which ones are ones we should actually look at there's too much noise right there's, there's so many so many there's so many releases um and also then the thing is with with anticipating games is that games don't just all come out on january the first yeah you see right it's not like you just get a big list of it's not like a, a publisher's you know sheet mm-hmm. of what's going to be coming out like there's so many games that come out that you don't even know are coming out right now mm-hmm. and i always feel like there are going to be games that I haven't even heard of yet that are coming out next year that I'm going to be way more excited about than something I've already seen that's coming out next year. So I always find that very tricky. Plus, uh, it's a bit like what I said about um, Nucleum. Uh, I, I do find it very tricky, even even when there is a rule book. sometimes, um, even if I've read the rule book, I do find it quite tricky to know how I'm going to feel about that game. And you are very good at, looking at a list and going okay this is this is going to be good this is going to be good i'm much more sort of flowy on that like i'm much more okay let's see what happens let's see if i discover a game you know in march that i'm actually really looking forward to well you say i'm very good at looking at a list but here here goes the list from last year (laughs) or this year i guess but the beginning of this year um first up on that list was galactic renaissance didn't come out this year no 
next up was Sleeping Gods Distant Skies. This is a game we have, we've played, and we've uh, covered on a bonus episode. We gave our early impressions. Uh, to summarize, my I guess my take on it so far, um, Sleeping Gods Distant Skies has a massive amount of improvements on Sleeping Gods. But all of the improvements were something that I wasn't looking for, and things that I wanted improved were not improved. Um, so uh, that that sounded very negative, and in fact, it isn't. I I I I've, I'm so far enjoying my time with Sleeping Gods: Distant Skies. It's just went in a direction that hasn't quite so far jived with me. I think I think you hit on a good point there. Like when I know um, game designers are coming out with it. With it. game designers that I like are coming out with a new game, then I'm interested in it, but I'm not anticipating it for that very reason that like I I don't want to get overly excited about something just because I like the designer or the artist or or the who whatever right mm-hmm. or, or a mechanism that is in that game I don't want to get too excited about it because I don't want to be disappointed. I find that exciting. Like I, f- I find that yeah, there's a thrill in that, right? <laughs> like I'm like, ooh, how is this going to shake out? You know. My view of Distant Sky though was favorable. Um, mm. Generally, our first impression in our first impressions bit, um, it is favorable. I, I very much enjoyed it, and I think, you know, if you like Sleeping Gods, then it's Sleeping Gods. You, it's mm. not far. I'm not sure that it is. I I think it is different. I think it's got a different vibe. Do you think it's different enough that you would hate this if you really like Sleeping Gods? I don't. I I think it loses something. That that's my opinion. But we'll we'll get to that later. Uh, Ox did not come out this year. Pampero did not come out this year. Atlas Lost Rise of the New Sovereigns did not come out this year. (laughs) Lords of Ragnarok. So in my defense, uh, I did say that I put it in there because I was excited for the potential but not hopeful right mm-hmm. um i think we all know how that turned out we have a video review of lords of ragnarok i will not reiterate my opinions uh in this specific segment mm-hmm. uh but i will say that i think it's a game that broadly does not work um <laughs> uh, trailblazers uh so this did come out and we've reviewed it on video. We reviewed it on this podcast. Yeah. And I'm happy to say that Trailblazers was exactly what I was hoping it was going to be. Uh, a, a very streamlined version of Ryan Courtney's pipeline idea. It was pipeline without pipes. No, with just the pipes. With just, I mean, yeah, that's what I meant. You, you meant it didn't have but the economy. No, it didn't have pipes. It had trails. Yes. Is what I meant. Sorry, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it was good. I liked it. It yeah, was lean, clean, very punishing. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, plenty of coverage on it in the past. Bloodstones did not come out this year. Uh, it's not entirely true. It is shipping right now. I've got like one of those early shipping notifications. Like, is this is this address correct? Because we're about to send mm-hmm. it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing. So I, I expect it to land at some point. This is a Martin Wallace game with dominoes fighting on a cloth map. Uh, looking forward to it horseless carriage did come out this year uh and we have played it and we have covered it i've played it just the once i found it bizarre arcane overwrought and kind of fun uh but it was way over long and i'm not sure it didn't have that zhuzh that I think people who really love Food Chain Magnet were excited about. It, it was one of it was one of Splotter's weirder games. And whilst I'm normally all for that, I just haven't had the time for it. Uh, so 
I, I guess maybe we'll return to horseless carriage at some point, but currently uh no not 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 jazzed yeah uh queen's dilemma did not come out this year and finally the last one earthborn rages we have covered it on the podcast mm. we might cover it on video in the future uh a very interesting release did not hit with you not as much as you no yeah. no uh, i think i think i just need to play it more i just think i haven't got myself into the vibe of it yet well enough yeah, uh, I I am looking forward to it. I, I I was intrigued by a lot of what it was doing, but I was also slightly peeved by a lot of the clunkiness. So mm. uh, I just found it very difficult to get into, and I think that was that was the barrier. I think now I understand how to play the game and some of the moving parts in this game. I think I will. I well, I reserve judgment on my experience of it. So to sum up, six of the eleven games on that list didn't even <laughs> did, come out. Didn't, didn't even come out. Now, uh, so I, I did get one thing wrong. Galactic Renaissance. Uh, I thought it was coming out in retail. No, uh, the thing that came out in twenty twenty three was the Kickstarter project oh. for Galactic Renaissance. Uh, but all of the others uh, were massively overlaid. I, I guess Bloodstones wasn't, but it was It was just ever so slightly later than I expected it to come out. I was hoping that it would come out this year, and I think it was meant to, but it just didn't. Uh, Queen's Dilemma, in fact, uh, is late because they've scrapped a part of the design. Um, uh, they had what they call four storylines, like, you know, kind mm -hmm. of like branching storylines mm -hmm. interweaving throughout the game. They axed one of them entirely, changed some mechanisms. Wow. So there's now like only three storylines, but they think they're more developed because of that, okay. which, you know, sounds really cool and exciting, but but that game is is way overdue. Uh, uh, Arcs has been overdue for a while. They've been developing that game a lot. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited about Arcs. Tom Brewster, shut him sit down, played it. Uh, and spoke about it uh, on their podcast. Uh, he played it at PAX and he was very effusive about it. So I, I, I'm looking forward to a lot of these. Some of these are just late in development a little bit and will come are out they, shortly. Are they all on the list for next year then? I think I think they're still on the list. But but the thing with, with things like that is like, I was excited for it in 2023. <laughs> like there is, there is an amount of tepidness now that is kind of seeping in and making me like okay well i guess they'll come out you know but the buzz is dying do you know what i mean what, for no, you, well for you some know. of for me i mean yeah i don't mean for everyone for me for some of them not like arcs i'm still very very jazzed about queen's dilemma yeah. i'm still very jazzed about uh you know the others like we'll see i guess you know uh but with that in mind here is uh the list for 2024 let's see how many of these are actually going to come out in 2024 i know some of them will because they're like right right on the doorstep right but i don't know it's a game we can play every year how many of them actually came out um so first up it's dune war for arrakis so not to be confused with dune imperium or doom from gale force 9 the That's reworking funny. of the original dune board game uh or the many other why is there somebody called June? Because, uh, I don't know. I I think something happened when that first Denis new film came out. But no, I think it's because uh, the film came out and the uh, brand became very available. Oh, so a lot of people... Yeah. Uh, I think there's a... Much like with Lovecraft, there's a lot of overlap between, like, board game as a hobby and, and, and 
uh, interest in Dune, especially because the original Dune game was very popular and came out in the 80s and has been kicking around for a while now, yeah. right? So people, people have memories of it. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's such a cult thing because of the David Lynch film and the yeah. book being, you yeah, know, yeah, kind yeah. of at the time revolutionary. I, I guess I should say that I, I've never been a big fan of Dune. Mm -hmm. um, I, I appreciate frank herbert as a writer i don't so much appreciate frank herbert as a person he had some very interesting and bizarre oh gosh. uh well, uh viewpoints i don't think frank herbert was a bad person but okay. he, he was bizarre and odd and he had some views that i don't agree with okay but uh, i i just i don't know i feel like sci-fi has moved on from what dune has done it did subvert a lot but but these subversions i think are I just less interesting now than than they were before, right? <laughs> so, um, uh, but regardless of that, Dune War for Arrakis is uh, from Simon, mm -hmm. um, but the design team behind it is is the same people who designed War of the Ring, uh, the board game, and yeah. subsequently uh, Battle of Five Armies as well. Um, so, I'm I'm very interested what happens there because it's an odd pairing of. Uh, Simon, who are usually, not always, but usually known for more like streamlined approach to game design, whereas War for the Ring is very much just like a lot of rule upon rule upon rule kind of thing, you know? I guess we'll see. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm excited for that. The Old King's Crown, this is a new publisher, uh, UK-based publisher, who had a very successful project uh, with with just completely stunning artwork. Uh, and and a game concept that remind me like of a more gamified version of Citadels. Oh, okay. You know, uh, like like what what do you get if you cross root with Citadels? Like the vibe <laughs> the vibe is like you know th that's what I'm getting from it, right? Maybe that's an unfair summation, but but it looks interesting. It's a first time publisher designer, so. But you like the vibe of it. I like the vibe of it. I, I th it it got a lot of interesting. Uh, buzz around it at the time the project was live. I watched some videos from uh, people who do previews. You know, Beyond Sol Solitaire did an interesting uh -huh. video, and uh, uh, I was like, "Oh, this looks this looks funky and nice. fun." So nice. I I'm down for that. Uh, Santorini Co-op. So I'm putting this in here because Santorini looks gorgeous, and everyone raves about it mm -hmm. as a fantastic mm -hmm. two-player game. I've never played it. I've never owned it. I've never played it. Um, it does look lush, but now it's coming. It's coming out with a co-op version, so I could. I, I'm, we're going to get a new kind of redeveloped version of Santorini plus a co-op version, uh, all coming together in a bundle. This, I think, this is going to come out in 2024. Do you feel like we'll have to play Santorini before we play it co-op? I think so. Yeah, yeah. But I'm finally excited to try this mm -hmm. uh, excellent two-player game that a lot of people are recommending. Uh, Dead Cells, the rogue light right. board game. So, uh, Elaine, I I know you're not necessarily familiar uh, with uh, the rogue light video game genre. I know, I know about y it. You know yeah, about it, yeah. yeah. But I've not. You know the principle, like, yes. yeah, yeah. Okay, so Dead Cells is a popular rogue light uh, video game. Uh -huh. uh, it. I'm normally not a big fan of board game to like video game to board game mm -hmm, adaptations mm -hmm. they don't pan out but this is from scorpion masque which are a publisher whose work i really really enjoy yes. uh i think they they bring out interesting designs funky designs dead cells is a video game i enjoy mm -hmm. i don't 
like I'm not like a big fan or anything. I just, you know, I had fun with it. I had a time with it and it's still on my Switch and I still sometimes put it on okay. and just enjoy it, you know? So I, I don't know. I'm more fascinated by the idea of translating the idea of roguelite where like each run like kind of powers up and molds, uh, you know, the next run and mm. so on. Um, so I want to see what can be done with that. And uh, I think I don't normally tend to go by publishers because, you know, anyone has pot the potential to do anything, right? But like when so when I've enjoyed so many games published by Scorpion Mask, good track run, yeah. I, I, yeah, good track run of delivering, like none of their games were bad and all of their games were interesting at the least, right? So I'm expecting something interesting, you know? It might work, it might not work, but we'll see. Right? We'll see, right? Yeah. Cascadero, but not Cascadito. Now, I've made a line here, right? So Cascadero is a new tunnel lane game from Reiner Knizia. Mm -hmm. Reiner Knizia designing another board game. Who could have predicted that? Uh, 800 and counting. Yeah. Um, how, how, it's 100 a year by now. What's happening? Anyway. Um, so he's become the Barbara Cartland of board games. I don't know who that is. Just churning out like game after game after game after game after game. I see. Uh, so I have to admit, I'm a fan of Reiner Knizia's tile laying games. Yes, me too. Right, me too. Uh, Tigers and Euphrates. Mm. I can think of some others. <laughs> he's had some bangers. So. Yeah, he's had. He's definitely had some bangers. Right. So. Um, so there was a project for Cascadero, a new one with, you know, tool artwork and a smaller version called Cascadito, which is not the same game, but, you know, derived from Cascadero. Right. And I was like, no, sorry, I'm drawing a line. I'm excited about <laughs> the main one. Right. Not the little one. Yeah, but not the little why? one. Because, like, why is the little one? Does it really. Well, we won't know if we don't try it, will I, we? There's too many board games. I'm picking one. <laughs> and sticking to it. And sticking to it. I'm excited. This is, this is where we find out that Cascadito is actually the better game. It's going to be hilarious, isn't it, if that uh -huh. happens? Okay. So, talking about things you couldn't predict, right? Elaine, I am excited about... This is a multi-game entry. I am excited about some new or new editions of trick-taking games. Hey! Hey, who right? Who predict that? So, I have four picks here in this yeah. category. So, Maury, uh, which is coming from uh, Allplay, who've been definitely dabbling in the uh, trick-taking sphere with... with many new trick take or many re redeveloped or re-implemented or re-artworked trick-taking games um so mori looks cool because it's um cards plus dice mm -hmm. but it's not like nakosa dice but but it hits similar vibes to nakosa okay. dice so uh, i've heard some good early buzz this is the one that's definitely appearing in 2024 because they're pretty much sending it out now so ours should be with us pretty soon so i'm excited about more i'm excited about my favorite things which is a re-edition of i my, my favorite things. things um this is uh i should note published by someone we know personally um so full disclosure um but also it's like one of our before we knew they had the license it we we've often listed this as one of our favorite games ironically it was, uh, it was in a video we did once about weird games i found at essen yes uh and if you want to find out more about i my favorite things or as it's now known my favorite things plus the i emoji 
Oh, is it? There's a little oh, like yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a little eye yeah, above yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, just just as a reference, right? Uh, and finally, I'm excited about Haggis. It's a reprint of Haggis, a uh, a trick taking game that's gotten a lot of buzz in the past, and also Trick Takers. Uh, I say it like that because Trick Taker is in all caps, and then there's a little s at the end in 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 lowercase that's disconcerting <laughs> i know but it looks really weird it's it's trick taking with asymmetric powers okay. like cool kooky asymmetric powers uh i i'm just stoked about all of these i'm stoked about more trick taking games i'm sure we'll talk about them on the podcast at some point uh bring bring on the trick takers and also all the other trick takers next up a double entry i couldn't decide uh, so this was two Kickstarter projects launching at the same time with a similar pitch, uh, which was basically Mario Kart, but with two very different artistic approaches. Uh, so one of them is called Dungeon Kart. The other one's called Joyride. Dungeon Kart is directly cribbing from Mario Kart, right? It's got characters inspired by retro video gaming mm. that are eerily familiar to the ones from... <laughs> Mario Kart, right? Uh and I don't know. I I'm stoked about it because I just I just love I love racing games to begin with. Uh Heat was a fantastic mm-hmm. game. Uh and there are many other great racing games out there. But but I love the idea of translating Mario Kart to to video, to board game form. Mm-hmm. And uh I'm hoping that this satisfies me. Uh similar with Joyride, Joyride um looks more uh i don't know it's got that mad maxi vibe and yeah. this this is yeah, this yeah. is designed by uh duncan malloy uh in part and uh full disclosure duncan malloy is also someone we know personally so just a little bit something that you should know assault on doom rock so this is uh a new edition of a game that uh, was kickstarted once and there was a lot of good buzz about it uh, uh, i know mark from so very wrong about games really likes assault on doom rock and and i think other people have spoken about it very favorably but there was just never another edition of it so there was no reliable way of picking it up but so there was a campaign for it last year this is a new edition this is a new edition mm-hmm. and it's also interestingly got an expansion to make it, uh, to give it a roguelite version, ah. right? So uh, from what I understand, Assault on Doom Rock is a play on, you know, dungeon crawling as an idea, uh, but also it is in- known to be incredibly difficult, right? It's it's a punishing game that is not going to hold your hand and it's just going to be quite brutal. I don't know. I'm kind of jazzed to try it uh we'll see how it pans out and finally tycoon india 1981 so i've learned about this game from a channel called cardboard east who deals specifically with board games from asia Mm -hmm. and and one of the points he brought up in that video was uh when he was covering tycoon india 1981 is that you don't very often see the industry side being vibrant in in the indian part of asia right okay um you you see a lot of games coming from East Asia, Southeast Asia, I see. Uh, but but not from South Asia, right? So, um, and this is a game about India. 
designed by an Indian designer and published by an Indian publisher. Now, the production looks lush. Like, the artwork's really, really nicely done. Uh, they even had an option for poker chips uh, themed around the game to come with the game, giving this massive brass vibes, right? <laughs> because, like, brass is also a Kickstarter that had really lush poker chips. The iron chips. clays. The yeah. iron clays, yeah. Mm. Um I mean, I did not back for the poker chips because I already have the iron clays. There's no reason to own multiple sets of poker chips, right? But they looked very, very, very nice. Um, so uh, I don't know what the game is like. You know, it, it didn't fund for that much, right? But it looks very ambitious. It, it looks big you know it looks very very much in the genre of industrial style board games you know like economy you know efficiency that kind of thing euro game vibes but in maybe a bit more interaction i don't know uh we're gonna find out but i'm, I'm looking forward uh for uh, more board games from india and board games about india from india yeah. i think i think that's very interesting and exciting in a lot of ways and that's it that's my most anticipated games for 2024 I don't know how many of them are gonna release in 2024, but I'm, I'm holding, I'm holding my fingers for <laughs> more than five this time round. Have you got a most most anticipated out of all of them? Yeah, uh, which would be the one that you'd be sad if it didn't release in 2024. I think Dead Cells and The Old King's Crown are are like I've I've got the biggest kind of like this could be really really good. Or maybe not. Who knows? So there's there's the biggest question there, mm -hmm. right? There's there's the most ambition. You know, something like Assault on, on Doom Rock. I might just like it, or I might not like it. But a lot of critics have already spoken on it when it first came out. You know, so there's not like there's not a lot riding on that. There's not mm. a lot of you know kind of mystery there. Whereas whereas that you know like I guess Dead Cells is is a proven publisher, proven designer, but 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 a new concept, right? How to translate the roguelite experience into board games. Whereas The Old King's Crown looks very ambitious, the artwork looks vibrant, but first-time publisher, first-time designer, anything could happen, right? Um, so, so those are my biggest questions, and therefore I'm most excited about those. Sounds like a fun 2024. Phew, that was a big long list of games, but that is all the games we have for this episode. Efgert, can you tell us what is the game of the episode and also what is on the bonus episode this week? Well, the game of the episode by default is Dune Imperium Uprising, as it's the only game we covered in this episode. So congratulations, Dune Imperium <laughs> Uprising, you win again. <laughs> uh, on the bonus episode, however, on the, on the bonus episode, the very tasty bonus episode that you can access by becoming a no pun included patreon subscribers so that's on patreon.com slash no pun included we will have the worst of the year <laughs> 2023 that if if i need to explain that more that's that's what the worst board games and the worst board game things uh it's it's despite me saying in the video oh that's gonna be savage it's not gonna be savage we're, we're gonna be civil about it we just didn't we enjoy civil yeah, we're always civil. We'll be nice. Don't worry. We'll be nice. But we will cover the things we did not like. So stay tuned for that if you're a Patreon member. Before we say goodbye, Elaine. There's one more thing, Elaine, that we're going to do in this very episode. Uh, so as, as a little thank you and as a little Merry Christmas for listening to us for a whole year, Elaine 
exclusively for the Talk Cardboard podcast, has composed a board game Christmas song, which we will now play in full. Dearest Father Meeple, thanks for the game. I can't wait to play, I ripped it open right away. So thank you, Father Meeple, once again. Oh, mistletoe is poisonous and frozen toes. I think I'll pass, so I'll just stay inside and have some fun instead. I couldn't believe it. Lucky me Oh, the one I'd seen on BGG I found this morning under my tree So thank you, Father Meeple, once again Oh, mistletoe is poisonous and frozen toes I think I'll pass, so I'll just stay inside And have some fun instead don't think me ungrateful I don't mean to moan But it says it plays two to four So I'd need at least one player more So next year Father Meeple Could have some mates Just one or two will do Oh next year Father Meeple Could have some mates Oh you could have got me a solo game That'd have been fine Oh, next year, Father Meeple, could I have some mates? That was wonderful, Elaine. Thank you so much. I forgot. How, how do we sign off on this podcast? Can you remind me? <laughs> With that, why don't you say goodbye, Elaine? Oh, yeah, right. Okay. With that, why don't you say goodbye, Elaine? Goodbye, Elaine. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Goodbye, Elaine. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. <laughs>